Welcome to Consumer Connections, a podcast series brought to you by Scylla. I'm your host, James Pikeaway, joined by my co-host, Basil Khan. Together, we'll be guiding you through the marketing and insights landscape of the Arab region and beyond. Consumer Connections is your passport to demystifying the intricate landscape of marketing. We welcome expert strategists, marketing trailblazers, and insight leaders to peel back the layers of consumer research, offering their raw, first-hand views on the insights that enhance our dialogue with consumers. The theme of this podcast is unlocking customer experience with technology and insights. Faisal, who's joining us on this podcast? We are thrilled to introduce you to our guest, Ankesh Agarwal, Group CX Senior Manager at Majid Al Futhaim. Ankesh is a renowned and trusted authority within the Arab community and beyond. His expertise has garnered numerous accolades, counting him among the top 100 global customer experience thought leaders and the top 250 global insights professionals. Ankesh's illustrious career spans across prominent organizations like Al Fatem, Capillary Technologies, and Kantar. He currently plays a key role in shaping customer experience strategy at Majid Al Fatem. What truly sets Ankesh apart is his fervor for customer experience. This passion permeates his work not only in his professional roles, but also as a prolific author, engaging speaker, and insightful lecturer on topics centered around customer experience. Ankesh, it is an absolute pleasure to have you joining us. Great to have you with us. This is really exciting. I'm I'm really interested in the fact that you've come from customer experience. That's where you are now. You're living in that world. But you came to customer experience from an insights background. Tell us a little bit about that change. I think insights and experience are intertwined. So probably experience is uh, a newer terminology or newer discipline which has come up. But if you uh, if I remember my old days when I started working 16, 17 years ago, we used to do customer satisfaction studies. We used to do, uh, you know, uh, work on insights towards customer understanding, customer understanding on their interaction with their different touch points of different clients. So it's uh, not new that way. Uh, but if I see from a experience perspective, uh, the discipline has evolved quite a bit in the last few years. And people, uh, you know, have uh, specifically work, started working on experience. But my trigger point to move from insights to purely a customer experience role was when I joined Alphotem. That was my first client-side role. Prior to that, I was working in insights. And it was a mix of, you know, brand insights and advertising insights and customer satisfaction insights. When I saw a large part of my role there was on customer satisfaction and customer experience. And when I saw things actually getting or uh, putting, um, getting put in action, and that's where, you know, my curiosity and my inquisitiveness uh, took me uh, to a kind of a stand that I should do more of it. And then there was no looking back. It's been seven years now. I worked with a software startup after that, which was again related to customer experience, CRM loyalty. Then I took uh, another role in a consulting firm, which was purely a customer experience role. And that's where, you know, uh, my uh, stint with the customer experience and technology grew. You know, my uh, passion towards technology used in customer experience grew. And then now uh, I'm with Majid Al Futhaim uh, for the last two, two and a half years working on CX strategy, uh, VOC insights, and, uh, you know, continuous improvement, design, and so on and so forth. So, but uh, this is a fascinating world, believe me. In the last few years, it has grown a, uh, a whole lot. What, what's changed in the last couple of years that excites you? I think if I, uh, if I go back in history, okay, so when I was a kid, uh, my father was a banker. Okay, so he retired from uh, a government bank back in India. And I still remember when I was, I think, 10, 12 years old, uh, one day I was going to school. He said, after school, why don't you go to a, uh, one of my branches and uh, try opening a student account? So that was a new thing. Okay. And he wanted me to get that experience and then narrated back to him, played back to him. 
And um, uh, so, of course, I went there. I was not supposed to tell that I'm uh, my, my father is this, and I got the entire experience. But I think about uh, almost um, uh, uh, towards the end of the experience, I was almost failed. So that means these guys said these guys were almost uh, about to shoo me away that uh, you can't get that account. So then somebody uh, who was uh, known to my father who saw me, and then entire thing was done. But if I look at, I mean, this was about thirty years back. Okay, so my father took notes of uh, you know what my experience was, and he then uh, in today's parlance that will be customer journey design. It's more sophisticated, right? But that was more anecdotal back then. But in the last two years, so uh, the last three four years, so you see because the passion towards experience has evolved, so uh, the discipline has grown, and there are a lot of correlations and a lot of uh, you know empirical data which is available for uh, you know experience. Generating loyalty, experience generating ROI, and that has actually is kind of a positive uh, cycle or a positive circle. So it's got uh, on from strength to strength. Very interesting. You're saying that it's not a new concept, right? CX in some shape or form has always been there over the years, right? From thirty years back when you were a child, it's just become more sophisticated. And I think CX as a terminology has become a buzzword, you know. But is there a trigger point in your mind where this it transitioned from this traditional concept of just customer satisfaction, customer experience, to actually a dedicated CX focus with now organizations having large CX teams. I think uh, again, if I uh, go back in history, and this is a question which uh, comes to me quite often. So uh, I think initially when um, the industrial era started, so it was all about a product. If you make a good product, it'll sell. You make money. Then it became the product became ubiquitous. So everybody was uh, you know trying to make the same kind of product. Uh, the product was not a differentiation anymore. Then probably came brand advertising, and uh, they started differentiating the brand. Okay, but then that also become kind of because everybody was starting, you know, to develop stronger brands and do advertising, reach to the right customers, and so on and so forth. Uh, so in the last few years, what I've seen is that see, don't get me wrong. So product and brand will stay the mainstay. If you don't have a good product, if you don't have a good brand, customer experience do nothing. But customer experience has become on top of these two big pillars a differentiation. So people are willing to spend, people are willing to buy a product or avail a service where they get a better experience versus others because the product are similar, brands are strong, and uh, uh, probably the pricing is similar as well because it's a very competitive market. So that's I think the trigger point in the last seven eight years to create that differentiation. People have started putting more focus on experience. And that's how the discipline is evolved. How are you collecting the data that's necessary to make your customer experience decisions? I mean, in terms of data, so the <laughs> <laughs> you can go on and on. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. So if I look at the key uh, data points which we use internally, so of course the first one is listening to customers through a voice of customer program. So we have a large customer program, voice of customer program, where we get about two million responses every year. Wow, that's and a lot we, of data. And that's across the brands we analyze that data, uh, but that's to my mind uh, a foundation uh, data layer. You can uh, you know build a lot of insights on top of that. Hmm. So what we typically see is that the voice of customer program, which becomes a bedrock of whatever you're doing in customer experience, can branch out into three different or three possible uh, action streams. Mm -hmm. The first one is your continuous improvement. Yeah. Wherein whatever process you have, if there's a broken process, you can fix it. Mm -hmm. If there are minor tweaks you want to do in a process, you can do that. The second is design. Maybe you want to reimagine the process once again. Mm -hmm. Okay, the process is there. Mm -hmm. So people are willing that process. It may be broken. You fixed it. 
But there's a need that could be done in a very simplified way. If you look at, for example, uh, uh, when Apple came in or Tesla came in. So before that, I mean, if you look at the regular cars, so there are so many, uh, you know, gadgets and knobs and uh, hubs. But if you look at Tesla, it's a, it's a kind of an iPad, right? So it's a simplified thing. Mm. So people could have made um, those knobs into touch buttons. A lot of right. people have done that. But Tesla took a, a very reimagined or a very new kind of approach. The third could be innovation. And that's what we are venturing into these days, which is CX-led innovation. Mm. Which is, uh, you know, looking at a latent need, which is not being catered to in the market right now. Okay. And how can you create those experiences which are not there at, at all? People are not exposed to at all. Mm, so these are the three branches, which, uh, uh, you know, uh, a kind of voice of customer program as a fundamental source of uh, information can do that. But to your question, so voice of customer, you can have social uh, media chatter, you can have contact center, you can listen to people uh, calls, uh, you can listen to listen to uh, them on social media, you can uh, look at, uh, you know, uh, the transactional data, you can do focus group interviews, you can do in depth interviews, and you can, you know, I mean, the sources are immense. But to my mind, the first three things which I talked about, how do you use that data is extremely important. And is this data, when you're talking about data, is this data of your own customers? Or do you go beyond to understand people who are not your customers? It's it's both actually. So because one of the big tenets uh, from uh, from our company is building superiority in whatever we do. And, and you cover a lot of terrain. It actually may not be a bad idea to talk about what all terrains marginal for them is into because I don't know how many of our listeners actually relate to actually yeah. the actual brands they're interacting with day in and day out with Majula Fute. No, absolutely. I think it took um, a bit of time for me when I joined the company to assimilate the number of brands we have. <laughs> <laughs> so we have multiple uh, verticals. And I think the biggest vertical is uh, our grocery retail, which is Carrefour. So then we have malls, a mall of Emirates and a lot of there are city center and city centers. And we have malls in Egypt uh, and uh, across the region. Um, then uh, we have cinemas. We have Vox Cinemas. So that's our own brand. We have a lot of uh, entertainment concepts. A ski Dubai is one of them. We recently opened Snow Abu Dhabi. You should go there. Uh, and a Snow Oman in Muscat. Uh, then we have uh, a smaller um, concepts like Magic Planet, etc. Then we also have residential uh, communities. So Tilal Al Gaf uh, in Dubai. There's one in Sharjah. There's one in uh, Muscat. So where we are uh, giving a very differentiated kind of living experience to our customers. So, so the, the list goes on. We have fashion retail. <laughs> and we you're have... living with data from for all these sectors, right? From malls to grocery to real estate. It must be a nightmare for you. But I think uh, nightmare, yes, but it's an opportunity as well. Yeah. <laughs> you know? that's so true. that's why we have a loyalty program, which is a, a digital-only loyalty program, which is called Share. So that's program, basically, that program, basically, uh, so uh, it binds all the business units and we see cross-selling up, selling opportunities. Uh, we try and enrich that data with customer information on their likes, preferences, et cetera, and see what else can we interact them with. I'm just thinking, going back to what Faisal was saying, the data wrangling that you have to do with all of these different verticals and assembling that data and then trying to make sense of it. Incredible. Incredible. Indeed. And I think that's why uh, when Faisal, you're talking about CX team. So we have a large team as well. So about, uh, I think about 30 people. Wow. It's a lot. Who live, eat, <laughs> breathe, sleep, CX. Okay. And to your question, it is difficult, right? So how do you use that data? So we have basically decentralized our CX function. Mm -hmm. I think CX function uh, is like a startup. So mm -hmm. when you uh, start a CX function, you probably are like two or three people mm -hmm. sitting around a desk 
mm-hmm. and if you everybody knows what everybody else is doing and if you have a problem if you have a, a brainstorming to be done you don't put in calendar invites you just stand up and shout let's huddle up okay and then slowly it grows and you become a more institutionalized uh, institutionalized function and uh, uh, so what we have done is that now we have decentralized the entire cx function for different units we have a central unit uh, which i am a part of which mm-hmm. basically looks after strategy and looks after partnerships and etc etc and then for execution of that strategy to taking that forward with that business we have uh, teams in retail we have teams in entertainment we have teams in uh, communities etc because if you ask me can i be a um, subject matter expert of all the uh, kind of businesses we are in no i can't right so these people they for example somebody is in grocery retail mm-hmm. they will know that in and out Correct. and they in turn in the each of the markets they will have their representatives who are representing cx there or who are implementing cx in and out day in and day out and looking at you know what's happening around the customers observing them and so on and so forth there has been a lot of uh, impact of covid in terms of how cx is viewed how have you maneuvered through that pre covid and post covid phase when it comes to cx i think covid uh, definitely was a big disruptor especially for us because uh, we come from a re- retail background and uh, you know people stop coming to malls people stop coming to our stores so that was a big uh, dent in our business but i think we we did well we pivoted very quickly say for example our uh, grocery business carrefour is predominantly a brick and mortar business we we try to create good experience for people to in a very mundane chore when they have to come and buy their weekly groceries so we have large scale stores and we uh, want people to come and enjoy their shopping enjoy in double quotes and uh, yeah, you know uh, uh, come again and buy more so but now uh, the stores were closed people aren't coming by so we pivoted we uh, enhanced our digital footprint and see in terms of employees as well so uh, what we try doing was to uh, you know have happy customers you have a happy have you have to have happy employees so that's i think a age old adage uh, but uh, what we did was for entertainment business the cinemas business the entire thing was shut nobody was coming to see movies movies were not being produced and so on and so forth so uh, we got those people to work in large dark stores for carrefour we trained them in uh, you know packing grocery picking and packing grocery and then uh, those were being delivered to people's house okay so the shift uh, in consumer behavior is that yes people some of the people have stuck to you know uh, buying stuff online our cinema business we also started uh, we we uh, realized that people are watching uh, their movies or series on ott now you know netflix and prime and what we started back then in in uh, during covid time was that we started delivering our popcorns to people's house you're watching a movie have our popcorns okay you are not coming to us but then but that's that continues people buying uh, groceries online that continues so uh, what we are trying to do is of course try to create a balance plus try to create a omni channel um, kind of a approach wherein say in grocery you have a kind of click and collect so you do not have to you know uh, spend time in you know putting stuff in your basket but you do everything uh, you know beforehand and you just pick up the stuff plus within the store we are trying to uh, digitize our offerings as well so we have a lot of uh, self checkout counters using technology so that people do not have to queue up and they you know uh, just do it all by themselves customer experience sounds like such a simple concept when you hear it but it's so complicated when when you actually hear about <laughs> it and get into the details in terms of there's a lot that goes behind keeping your customers happy <laughs> i'd love you to talk a little bit about some of the innovations that have succeeded and some of them that you've had to backpedal on but i want to before i do that i want to jump in 
on talking about Vox and talking about your popcorn idea, which I'm a user of that. And I've got to say, one of the things I loved about the popcorn delivery, and I still get popcorn delivered, is in the peak of COVID, not only were you delivering the popcorn, but on the popcorn bags were messages written by the staff. And I don't know if they're still doing that, but I loved that. And it was just, have a great day. Thank you. And that really made me feel good. And I, and I was sitting there going, what a great innovation. This such a simple thing, so easy, but it made me feel attached to the brand. Absolutely. And I think uh, those are a few things which digitization, uh, you know, cannot do. So that handwritten note, or when you walk into a store, somebody gives you a personalized hello, uh, they speak to you warmly, um, they, uh, you know, empathize with you if you have a problem and they support you. So that's something uh, AI or a robot cannot do. <laughs> have there been times when you, when we talk about CX and we talk about innovation where you, something has just been too far ahead of its time and you've had to dial it back? Sometimes, yes. Um, but I think we, we always have to take that, uh, you know, leap of faith and uh, do things because uh, some of the things are ahead of time uh, or some of the things are ahead of the competition. Mm. So what we need to see is probably are we uh, ahead of competition? That's the first thing. Uh, but uh, if it is ahead of time, what we try and do is we try to educate our customers. Mm. So that's, you know, one of the uh, important things which I've seen or uh, probably having an insights background helped me here. Yes, I'm okay, sure. <laughs> so consumer behavior uh, has to be, uh, you know, people have to be taught, people have to be uh, spoken with, people have to be exposed to different kind of things. Uh, Dubai or UAE is still a market where you have people from all across the world who have different levels of exposure to different kind of technologies, different kind of offerings. So you will have a kind of mix here. But if you go to a, a more traditional market like Oman or Kuwait or Saudi, where you have to do a lot of education for newer things or newer technology, and it takes mm. time to take off. It's interesting that throughout the discussion, I think you've used the word technology, digitization a lot. And I've noticed this about CX and full credit to CX as a, as a vertical, that I think they've been the first ones to leverage the power of technology unlike any other sector has. I think technology uh, makes uh, or accelerates CX. But uh, as uh, as I always say, technology is just an enabler. So you have to start from the customer. You have to start from the customer need or the customer pain points you're trying to solve. Because I've seen a, um, a lot of cases where people you know, start with technology and fail. So, But if you start with the customer, you'll never fail. I mean, that's, uh, or you will fail less. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so if I see uh, in terms of technology, there are multiple technologies, or if I see categorized technologies into two parts. One is um, the kind of technology which a customer experience professionals can use. So you can have, uh, you know, so for example, I'm talking about uh, uh, 2 million responses every year from a voice of customer program. Can I do it manually? Can I do it over the phone? I can't. So it has to be technology-led. Then there are some more sophisticated ways of, uh, you know, collecting and disseminating information if you want to do customer journey, project management, etc., etc. There are so many tools which are available for a customer experience professional. On the other side, if I look at customer-facing technology, hmm. right? So that's another thing which uh, basically helps customer create that experience or helps us create that experience for the customer. Um, if I give an example, uh, if you go to the Mall of Emirates Carrefour uh, store, so there's a small um, outlet near the metro exit, which is called Carrefour City Plus. Okay. So we uh, use technology there uh, uh, to so basically create a kind of an Amazon Go experience wherein people, it's a un, uh, unmanned score, there's no person there. You just, you know, tap your card, you walk in, you pick stuff and you walk out. That's about it. Okay. So there are 
I think 60, 70 cameras uh, which are up there, which will see which product have you picked up. So they will register that product. And with your credit card or your loyalty program, either of them, so it will get billed to you. So, but the use case was that people who are going towards Metro or coming from Metro, they want to quickly grab something. And the assortment is very different. The assortment is grab and go. Right? So, so that's uh, one of the examples of technology. Another thing I was talking about, for example, in grocery retail was our self-checkouts or scan and go. So wherein, you know, you pick a scan gun, you do all the stuff by yourself, and then you do not have to, you know, queue up for waiting. waiting I, I love that. So in my community where I live, they've the Carrefour, there's a Carrefour Express and uh, they've got a self-check and I just love it. You know, Absolutely. People, it's, just, it's just easy. You know, just go there, it, do it yourself. Who would you use it? Is what the question I keep asking. That's the question. So if, I, if you ask me, initially, it took a bit of time. And you know why? Because uh, I recall... Um, I uh, was doing a study on scan and go with my Carrefour team and uh, people were struggling, you know, the, the numbers were not many, uh, not very strong. So we stood in a corner and we were just observing people, what they're doing. Yeah? So we saw people, uh, you know, mothers with children or single people coming with the trolleys and then trying to gap that gun, trying to understand, okay, so what should I do? What's the process? There are three, four steps. All right. And the steps are written there. And then um, people are still struggling. So I spoke to my colleague. He said, oh, the steps are written there. Uh, then what we conferred was concluded was even they're written there. So either they're not in the right manner or if, uh, so people are still struggling to get that, uh, you know, those steps done. So what we did was for the first few months, we, we had a kind of a checkout uh, ambassador who was training people, talking to them, uh, helping them out. But then it becomes a habit. Once you have done it once or twice, then there's no stopping. Right? And I think now about 30% of our checkouts are digital. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I still struggle when I go to the airport, which angle am I supposed to give my passport and everything. <laughs> so, but that education is important. There's someone who's kind of helping you. But I think that education's perhaps from a year now, you may not need that. And everything's going to be quite unmanned and you know, self-service will be the next big thing. You're, you're collecting a load of data, as we've said. Privacy becomes a question on a lot of people's minds. How does that fit in to your CX experience? Because you want to use the data, but there is a privacy element. I think if I um, take a step back, I was uh, reading a few reports and when I speak to my CII, so, so people are willing to give data. The report from Forrester that said about 40% people, they are willing to share data, but they want something in return. Hmm. You know, when I say something in return, it could be, you know, some kind of perk. Or I think a big proportion of them wanted uh, that data to help them. You know, the brand should use that data to help them or personalize stuff for them. So to my mind, collecting data, if I look at from privacy perspective, people are willing to share data. Uh, it is uh, important that uh, your trust in the brand, okay, is paramount that people share data with you. So that's the first thing. Second is you have to, um, you know, create that promise around when you're collecting data, this is how you will use the data. Hmm. And then when it when you have the data, so you, of course, you have to be ethical. You have to keep those promises. <laughs> you should use that data ethically. And uh, uh, if you, you collect the data, so we take basically consent, uh, whether we can reach out to you, whether you can use this data or not. And we are bound by the privacy laws, et cetera, et cetera. But the, the point I'm trying to make is people are willing to share data. If you create that right trust, if you create that right incentive for them, and you are ethical or you keep your promises. I think as far as it's a win-win for the consumer and the brand, I think that's where it becomes okay. But the worry with consumers is if you're just using it without them them getting anything in return. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the digital, more so in a digital world, 
where you have to accept those uh, cookies so a lot of people you know uh, will say okay if i will do only uh, necessary cookies and some people say okay so this is going to be helpful for me but again uh, if you think yourself what kind of brands will you accept all cookies the brands you trust the brands you know brands who are ethical in the market you know that these people will use my data in confidence and for me okay so i think marjal for them is a brand is of course it's very trusted is one of the most oldest established brands so i think you don't struggle with that issue so much i mean people if you're asking for <laughs> data if majidul for them is asking for data i'm okay to share it <laughs> that's i guess the psyche but the onus is after that i mean the customer's work is done after that the onus is on us <laughs> <laughs> the responsibility is with us that we you know safeguard that data and use it for the right purpose yeah a lot of organizations now have ethical committees i was having a, a talk the other day and uh, there was someone on IBM from IBM that mm-hmm. was there and they were, they have an ethical committee that is responsibility is to check if there's any kind of misuse of data mm-hmm. and and they just checking that that's that's an entire team doing that absolutely we we have a, a security team mm-hmm. who looks at every you know kind of channel or every uh, data usage so how the da- data is used who all are privy to that data how are they using it are they able to send it outside or not so all the channels are blocked there and with all that data that you've been talking about that you have where does ai fit in ai is a very vast topic <laughs> you can <laughs> it can go on and on it did you know daily there are new applications coming out to help us deal with data i mean indeed. it must be an exciting time for you indeed absolutely recently i tried uh, for one of my voc programs i was doing a insights uh, you know a kind of exploratory study for one of my brands and um, so there about 10000 people who responded to 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 that survey and we had about 10000 verb teams mm. so i i tried uh, my hands on generative ai i put <laughs> I, i put chat gpt on uh, on work and put in all 10000 of them i think with a matter of a uh, few seconds i got a decent summary but what i would say is that was uh, probably my starting point okay i got ahead of time uh, it accelerated my you know instead of uh, reading through some of them Uh, because i can't read 10000 right i'll probably read 100 200 300 500 max and that's about it but it gave me a good base to start my exploration journey and then i used my business context on top of that i cleaned that up for things which are you know i know that which are not correct because ai is ai right and ai gets trained so probably if i start using that I, in a few months time or a few uh, iterations it'll start giving me better results but that's one secondly i think um, again reaching faster to insights um data visualization so that's something which is also interesting how do you use ai for your visualization so if you put in the data they'll give you the right kind of things so you do not have to you know you know uh, do that uh, uh, transactional work or mechanical work to come up to insights yeah. they will get to you faster correct now you have to evolve correct yeah so you have to evolve on uh, how do you use that information faster how do you make decisions faster with them and you're right i think generative ai is a is a game changer because in the multiple steps of data collection so data collection was automated like we've been doing it uh data analysis is automated uh but when it came to the recommendations and summarizing part that was still very manual and i think that's where generative ai kind of fits in and like people like us technologies like have integrated generative ai in our technology which is not only reading data in thousands but in millions of data points and kind of analyzing that and giving you summaries and recommendations based on that so it's it's quite quite a game changer absolutely and uh, the way ai is evolving now the models are being trained they're going to get uh, better from here N- another use of ai very interesting is personalization mm. so we use uh, data uh, to create those look likes or create those personas and 
see uh, what can uh, this person do next. We basically do a little bit of predictive uh, analysis uh, when we understand, you know, whether this person going to churn tomorrow or not. Can we do a, a proactive intervention rather than looking at uh, the customer six months later and say, this customer hasn't come to me for the last six months. Can mm. I do something? By, the, by that time, the customer is okay. last. Crystal ball gazing, where do you see this whole field going in the next two years? Uh, interesting question. So if I see, I think uh, two things which comes to my mind. One is um, uh, the experiences are going to be more immersive. Yeah, so you have a lot of technology which is uh, coming up. We have AR, VR, Metaverse, and we are also trying our, dabbling our hands with. So we have a mall of uh, uh, Metaverse. You should try, go there. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah so we have all the shops in there as well. <laughs> <laughs> so, so immersive experiences, uh, uh, which will be a kind of a game changer and differentiation with uh, the regular experiences that people have. And it could just be, um, you know, when you are going to a grocery uh, store, imagine that you're wearing your Oculus and you're trying to figure out, you know, what to buy, what not to buy and buy it in Metaverse, pay in crypto <laughs> and so on and so forth. That's, that's one. Uh, but I think the second interesting uh, piece is uh, uh, using AI technology at scale. Because uh, if you look at the last next two years or three years, or the last two, three years, in fact, a lot of new technologies have come. Some have died their own death. Some have, uh, you know, gained that hype and they're on the hype cycle. Mm -hmm. But I think um, I what I, is kind of a wish, not a crystal gauging, <laughs> that some of these uh, stay and are adopted at scale. Uh, and I think the third thing would be uh, on AI itself, because you brought up the topic of AI. Right. So can AI, uh, you know, decode emotions as well? Okay, not only transaction or not only data points, mm. can they, uh, you know, uh, understand human emotions? Then it's going to be really, really, really powerful. And I think AI with AI, the, the topic which you talked about earlier on data privacy, that's a risk. You know, so yeah, they, they, the access to data, what AI have, the databases uh, are, are available everywhere. So if AI becomes, uh, or I wish AI becomes more ethical and data privacy, um, you know, comes as a big, big tenet. So that'll be really, really helpful for the, uh, for the discussion. It's really interesting points. I think one I'm going to pick on on because it's a personal favorite is emotions. Because uh, we used to measure, like I'm talking our you know, example for when we were analyzing a lot of data when it comes to experiences, we used to do positive and negative and perhaps neutral and kind of see that. We've layered, but we realize that that's not the full story because a positive, whether it's a happy positive, whether it's a surprise, whether it's an anticipation, if it's a, a, a negative, whether it's fear, sad, upset. So there are different degrees and different expressions. And that's something we've started tracking, actually. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. so we've kind of uh, been able to now, AI allows you to kind of track, pick out words that kind of be associated with the emotions. And it's still evolving technology, but yeah, very high levels of accuracy when we get in terms of measuring oh, emotions. Yeah. I'd love to hear more about that. Yeah. <laughs> but I think uh, one of the, uh, another thing which I will see is on a people side. So because a lot of people fear that AI will take their jobs and I think that's one of the topics which have been yeah. uh, pertinent. Uh, but I think it's all about upskilling and how do you Correct. use that technology to your own benefit. To my mind, it can accelerate insights and you know get mm. faster to the decision help the customer even uh, much, much faster than what we used to do in the last two, three years. So that's something which I'll recommend people to, you know, uh, just go to, I don't know, Coursera, EDX or whatever, take an AI true. course. Uh, yeah. And I was speaking to uh, a group of bunch of um, uh, MBA students a few weeks back. There were 300 students and they were asking me questions about AI and data and analytics. And my recommendation is one of the girls actually, she stood up after I delivered my keynote and she said, um, 
I'm in HR. Why should I uh, learn about analytics? You know, or AI. <laughs> so then I then I gave her examples on you know people analytics, churn management of employees, and you know uh, again prediction of churn okay. so and so forth. And so my advice was you, you when you if you are studying, take a course on analytics, take a course on AI, irrespective of whether you are. I mean you you should not be uh, thinking that you are an engineer who is uh, doing coding to understand all of that. You can very well be a user, and everybody is a user. Everyone's today. a user in today's so, day and so age. So you, you yeah. have to have that, uh, you know, uh, bent of mind, and uh, technology uh, gonna just help you propel. I, I want to jump back just for a second. At the start of our conversation, you mentioned that you have the 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 luxury of being able to judge CX. Can you talk about some of those, some things that you've seen that you've gone, "Wow, I wish I'd thought of this." So one of the topics in CX is uh, really hot these days. Is how do you calculate a CX ROI? Okay. And which is a, a very difficult topic and it's kind of a holy grail, right? So what we try in our organization and, uh, you know, I listened to a few of those pitches and understood was you have to be super simple. So if you are, you know, looking at a, a business which is generated from a, a campaign plus a good experience, so how do you attribute that whether the advertising campaign has brought in those customers in or did your experience on the ground converted them. They have to go hand in hand. So, so two things here. One is you have to keep it simple. You have to be, befriend your finance team. Okay, Get that attribution right. It may not be 100% right. It cannot be 100% right. Okay, so But you have to be a good judge and it has to be an iterative process. Once you have done that, so then you can make that business case and that's one of the things which I... Um, have seen in those, uh, you know, pitches is that uh, some of the people are really good at making those business cases, befriending their CFO, getting that input in, and then getting executive sponsorship by presenting those business cases to their C-suits. Once you do that, there's no looking back, right? Then you have a massive, massive positive momentum. Because once you go after that for your funding or your resources, I say, all right, you did well in the last project, let's do it again. So that's, I think, one of the very fast, uh, very interesting, fascinating things which I've seen. And um, I think second is, how do you engage people on the ground? If you ask me, my company has 50,000 employees in total. Out of them, probably 70-80% would be frontliners, okay, who are listening to or interacting with customers day in and day out. How do you engage them? How do you get ideas from them? So one of the things which you try and do is, we call that as voice of employee. And it's not employee experience. It is the employee's perception of customer experience okay so i was uh, working on a checkout project with with carrefour uh, with the carrefour team and the carrefour team led that project and one of the things we did was we spoke to all the cashiers the the business problem was or the customer problem was uh, that uh, the checkout time was pretty high people were getting frustrated and it could be you know if you look at the customer psyche it could be the perceived time so because uh, you, you probably will enjoy putting stuff in the uh, in the cart but when you are waiting there, you just want to go out. You want to check out, pay money and go home or, you know, go to the next leg of your shopping. So this um, uh, required a lot of data gathering. So we had a <clears throat> exit interviews. We had uh, a lot of uh, voice of customer data. We did a lot of observations and we also spoke to the staff. And when you involve staff, I mean, you get fabulous insights. But these people are the ones who are having their ears closest to the ground. And they will tell you things you can't imagine, you can't think of. So I think these these two things, uh, 
how do you use your employees how do you uh, engage them in your decision making and your exploration and uh, how do you put up roi cases amazing stuff what a great conversation and cash thank you very much for joining us here today well, thank you for having me it's very interesting yeah it's good fun thank you thank you so much thank you for having me you have been listening to consumer connections a podcast brought to you by silla our guest on this podcast has been ankish agarwal group cx senior manager at majid alfatain the theme of this podcast has been unlocking consumer experience with technology and insights 